We will be accepting donations for Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, you can mail your offerings to the church. Our address is 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Again, that address is 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Now, for the time being, <clears throat> we are putting a hold on collections for Operation Christmas Child. We encourage you to keep looking for items to put in the boxes using online shopping, sh uh, such as Amazon. We will be having a prayer meeting Bible study web conference on Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Now, if you have any needs during this time, you can reach out to your deacon or contact the church directly by messaging them on Facebook or sending an email to info at fhbcathens.org. Today we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Now this may end up being a three-part series message, but we hope that uh, you'll see the importance as we move along with it because this is a very important message to the disciples. This message was um, uh, a time when Jesus took them far away from the crowd so that he could talk with them and get the message across to them. It was so important because later on with this message, he would be telling them what he expected from them and what they would be doing. So as we look at this, let's pray and then we'll look at Matthew chapter 16 and we'll begin with verse 13. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and Lord, we just pray for your grace and is sufficiency to reach into our hearts and our lives through this, through your word, through the sharing. And I pray that uh, our lives will be changed so that we'll bring honor and glory to your name. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, as I said, Matthew 16. This is a crisis point for the disciples. Uh, very important. If they miss this, then they miss out on their purpose as what they were called to do. So let's read this, and uh, beginning in verse 13. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Well, some say that John, you're John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ why is this so important 
because one, for one thing, this is the first mention of the church by Jesus. First mention in the New Testament. Uh, and I think what we're having here is we're having a need for them to understand they've been brought to this crisis. They've had many crises along the way, but this is a crucial crisis because once Jesus reaches the ultimate crisis, crisis in uh, Jerusalem where he is uh, crucified and buried and, and, and raised again, then they will become the body of Christ. And he wants them to understand this, carrying out the mission that he had begun. And so he wanted them to fully understand this, to get this across in their mind, for this to be brought to their mind when the Holy Spirit came to indwell them at the day of Pentecost. But unfortunately, you know, they did receive, they did understand uh, a, a major portion of it because the uh, Lord God um, revealed or opened up their minds to them as Peter explained uh, what was laid upon his heart or shared what was laid upon his heart. But they still didn't understand everything. And, and you know, I don't really think that the church today understands everything about what the church is made up of or what the church is to do or what is a church. It kind of reminds me of a story that I've shared before about uh, cartoon Charlie Brown. You know, uh, he went to a psychiatrist, Lucy, and was, uh, uh, you know, asking her. Uh, he asked her, he said, Lucy, I don't understand what life is all about. I don't, uh, I don't know the meaning or significance of life. Uh, can you help me with this problem? And she held up her little, uh, you know, uh, little can, and, and uh, she uh, wiggled it with some little change in there, and he threw his 10 cents in. And, and uh, she said, well, Charlie, she said, uh, life is like a deck chair on a cruise ship. Some people have the deck chair all the way to the back of the ship where they can unfold it and sit in it and watch where they have been. Others take the deck, deck chair to the front of the ship. And they sit in it there watching where they're going. Lucy uh, asked Charlie Brown, you know, he said, where is your deck chair? It's simple. Where's your deck chair? And he looked at her and he said, I don't know. He said, I can't even get my deck chair open. And I'm afraid that this is what the church is so often. We don't, we can't get our deck chairs open to the point of understanding what the church is. Because if we don't understand what the church is, then the church cannot be great. Not the way God would have it to be. Because we'll just be faltering um, in our, uh, our life and, and we'll be uh, just uh, stumbling along the way. So what does it mean? What does church mean? Well, first of all, church is made up of uh, two Greek words. And the first part of it means out which is a little E-K, ek, and then the uh, second part of it, kaleo, K-A-L-E-O, uh, means to call or to summon. So you form the word ecclesia. All of us have heard that before probably, if we're believers in Jesus Christ. And it means to call out uh, or called out ones. The first time, as I said, the church is mentioned in the Bible it's from the uh, lips of Jesus we have in the New Testament. And so how should we define the church then? Well, the church is an assembly of 
called out ones. Now, who are these called out ones? These called out ones are believers who have been called out from the world to become part of the family of God. Now, if we look over in Ephesians, and in chapter 2, we find this out. It says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, called out from the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan, of the spirit that is now working in all the children of disobedience, those that are lost, among them we too all formerly lived in lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our, tres in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him and seated him, uh, or seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So we are those called out ones who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We're called out from the world and we're called to the Lord, to be with the Lord. But we're also called with a purpose. It goes on in Ephesians, it says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as we look at the definition, the church is made up of people that have been called out, that have been born again, that have been uh, made alive in Christ Jesus by placing their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In other words, the church is not this building. The church is not wood, mortar, stones, and other material. If I were to ask even the members of this church, you know, what is the church? You'd probably say, well, the church is uh, where I go to uh, go every Sunday uh, or Wednesday night or, or whenever for an activity. It's, uh, ours is located on 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue. Well, that's called the church, but that's just the place where we assemble together as the church. The church is a divine um, organization. It's a, a living organism. In other words, uh, it is uh, something that has been made alive, and we are to live out the life that has been instilled in us, and that's Jesus' life. So, you know, we can say baptisms are good, and they are. Ministries are good. Music is wonderful. Studies are great. But do any of them within themselves make a church great? No. They're just part of the activities of the church. What makes a church great is a church body. And what makes a church body is the, one thing, the person that is great, and that is the founder, Jesus Christ. Now, that's what we're going to be looking at today, just the founder of Jesus Christ. Uh, we're, later, we'll look at the, um, uh, the connection to the church, and we'll look at the assurance for the church. But today, we're going to look at just 1618. Jesus said, I will build my church. Who will build that church? Jesus. Whose church is it? 
Jesus. So the first thing that we need to uh, understand or notice is it's a divine institution that is a living organism. It is not just a building. It's not just a workplace. It is a living organism. And we've got to understand that the church and Jesus Christ are inseparably linked together. It's kind of like the old, old, old commercial when I was growing up that uh, it's like the old double mint gum commercials. Uh, wherever you go, you see double. They had twins in those that would uh, appear, double mint gum. And so to get the cross a point. This is the way it is with Jesus Christ and the church. In the Bible, you always see the church referred to as either one of these things. It can be either the body and Jesus as the head, the flock, Jesus as the shepherd, the building, Jesus as the foundation, and the branches, Jesus as the vine. So in this passage in Matthew where Jesus speaks about the church, we see the personal pronouns, I and my. I am going to build my church. Jesus is personal about the church. And I, I think that's so important. Because if Jesus is personal about the church, then we need to be personal with the builder. We need to be personal with the founder. It, you know, we need to have that intimate relationship. Matter of fact, the church is so personal with Jesus. When the church is persecuted, Jesus is also. You remember the story with Saul on the road to Damascus and where he came face to face with Jesus. And the Lord sat Saul down and he, he had a talk with him. He said, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting my church? Which he was. But he didn't say that. He said, why are you persecuting me? He's telling Saul that if you persecute the church, you persecute him. That's how serious it is. That's how dear it is. That's how personal it is. That's how intimate it is with the Lord. Now, I'd like to ask a question. How personal is it with us? How dear is it to us? How important is it to us? Even in the Old Testament, when God had called out the nation of Israel, it was referred to as the apple of his eye. Now, that didn't mean that God had a basket of nations as apples, and he chose this one because Israel because it was the prettiest. No, the pupil of his eye showed the dearness a sensitivity to it God's people are like to him like a pupil of his eye when someone touched uh, them it was touching his pupil and when someone offended the nation they offended him when they attacked Israel they attacked him this is why Jesus said I will build my church because he is so closely aligned to it Christ values it greatly how important is the church to us? I want to ask that question again. How important is it to us? Now, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about gathering together and worshiping. I'm talking about 
carrying out the Great Commission, which we will be getting to in, in Matthew soon. I'm talking about making disciples. I'm talking about serving Him. I'm talking about one another and caring for one another. Because He is so closely linked to it. Closely aligned to it. He values it greatly. One way you can tell about how much one value something is how much they're willing to pay for it. In Acts 20, 28, we're told that Christ purchased it with his precious blood. What a price to pay. His own blood. Peter reminds his people that Jesus didn't buy them in the marketplace with silver and gold, but with his precious blood. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, he knew no sin. His innocent blood was shed for us. He bore our sins on Calvary. So if Jesus values his church so much, if he's so closely connected to the church, and if he's inseparable to the church, what should the attitude of the church be? Here we go again. I'm asking that question. It's interesting. Because I hear so many different things. So many different comments about it. I hear people say, and maybe you have at times, and you know, maybe I have. I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Well, hmm. I love and worship Jesus, I just can do it away from the church by myself. But the church is made up of believers. And we're called together collectively, not just individually to, to worship God, but collectively to worship God as a church. Forsake not the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is. So this, is, this was not the attitude Jesus had towards the church. He founded it. He loved it. And he showed how much he loved it by dying for it. A lot of us say, well, I'll die for the church. <laughs> well, let's just take this crisis for a moment that we're going through. We're concerned with our health, aren't we? And we should be. But how many of us are really concerned about what matters and that's eternity have we been as concerned about this flu epidemic this crisis as we have been concerned about lost souls dying and going to hell I'm afraid to say that if it was me I would probably have to say no if I was honest. Oh, sitting back behind your ivory towers and your comfort zones, you can say, yeah. But it's easy when we don't have to step out and get involved. What does that tell us? It tells the members of the church, if we don't love the church, 
then there's something wrong in our relationship with the Lord. Because the Lord, to have a right relationship with Him, we need to have a right relationship with the church. We need to have His perspective on things. We need to have His desire on things. We need to have His concern. We need to have His love. Or we might say that it's our understanding of the church. As I go back to Charlie Brown, you know, he didn't understand the real meaning of life. He couldn't get his, his uh, chair opened up. Well, maybe it's we just have not reached that point where we truly understand what the church is all about. You know, I thank God for our parachurch organizations like Campus Crusade for Christ, BCM, you know, uh, others. But they're not the church, are they? They're good, and we should support them where we can and help them, but they are not the church. If we love Jesus and serve him, the place we ought to express it is through the church, the body that we have united with, the local body. And we need to understand, too, and this would cut down on a lot of disagreements if we would just seek out what God is saying about the church and what he wants for the church and try to understand that above and beyond anything else, I think it would cut out a lot of disagreements and arguments within the church that cause the church to cease from doing its great commission at times. We need to understand that it's the Lord's church. And his views need to be our views. So for the church to be great, it needs to first answer the question, who is the founder? Jesus. Because if you miss that, it will become your church. And you will rule it. And you will do what you think should be done. Or what you would like to do. And you'll do it your way and expect everybody else to do it your way. But if we understand that it's the Lord's church, that it's His, then we'll understand and begin to understand we need to seek Him for direction. It is His. Why? Because He bought it with a price. He shed His blood on Calvary's cross for it. That makes Him the owner. Him the Lord, not me, not you, not anyone else, but Him. He is the head of the church. That means if He's the Lord, then we are to learn His ways because we want to please Him and not ourselves. And by obeying Him, we glorify Him. And our purpose is to please God, to honor Him and to demonstrate Him to a world that needs to know him and know him in the right fashion not in a distorted way and we do that by being faithful by being obedient and by walking in faith or by faith how do you feel about the church let's bow our heads in prayer Father, I just want to thank you for this time with our members. And Lord, what a convicting passage. Because as you're revealing this to the disciples, they had to get it straight. 
or their mission would be all messed up and the church and its progress would be hindered and so I thank you that you're teaching them what the church is supposed to be and how it's supposed to operate because we know in Acts that they go out and they have to become the church in action demonstrating you to a world that needs to see you but then that foundation continues to be built upon and we today are being built upon it and we need to understand Lord we need to understand about the church and what the church really is and God the importance of the church to you in other words how we're being built what we're learning what we're becoming and how we're demonstrating it to others. Help us to understand that better, Lord. Because it's your church. You're the founder. In Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, people. I hope that you stay safe. I hope that you uh, take the word during this time that you're at home and, and you read it and you study it even more so and, and you're ready praying for that opportunity for God to open up the doors again for us to make the most of that when we uh, have that chance. And we just pray that God will soon open those doors back up. Lord, thank you.